Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Brilliance Security Podcast. Hello, my name is Steve Bocut, and I am an editor for Brilliance Security Magazine. Brilliance is an online digital publication dedicated to the security industry. Our mission, and thus our name, is to illuminate the intersection of physical and cybersecurity. We cover both of these security domains by publishing original content about threats, hacks, products, and security strategies. We hope you will enjoy this podcast and visit us at brilliancesecuritymagazine.com. Welcome to the Brilliant Security Magazine podcast, and thank you for joining us today. We appreciate your listening. Today, our guests are Brian Gregnan and Chris Fowler. Brian and Chris are both with ADT Commercial. Our topic for today is physical safety in the workplace. So these are the, the perfect guests to address this topic for us. Let me tell you a little bit about them. So uh, Brian Gregnan is the Director of Critical Infrastructure for ADT Commercial's Enterprise Security Risk Group and serves as a subject matter expert on the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. Brian's 30-year law enforcement career at the Seattle Police Department culminated in his role as Assistant Chief of Police Involving, which involved collaborating with city, state, and federal emergency officials to conduct strategic planning, risk mitigation, emergency response, and recovery for all potentially hazardous events. Chris Fowler is the Director of Emerging Technologies at ADT Commercial, leading the company's pursuit of innovative technologies to set new industry standards across security applications. An expert in enterprise security risk management with more than 25 years in law enforcement, complemented by a full military career, Chris counsels major corporations on developing strategic workplace violence prevention plans, comprehensive training programs, and active shooter response scenarios. With that, welcome, Brian and Chris. Thank you for joining me today. Hey, thank you for having us, Steve. Thank All right. you. Happy to be here. I'm looking forward to this. It's going to be a fun conversation, um, fascinating, I'm sure, and uh, very relevant to the world that we live in. And I'm sure the audience is going to appreciate that. Before we get into the topic, let's talk about ADT commercial a little bit. Um, I'll let either one of you address this, but give our audience kind of a high-level overview of ADT commercial, its role in the marketplace, core competencies, that kind of thing. Hey, sure. Uh you know, so I, I think you're probably well well aware, Steve, that uh, ADT Commercial has been around for 150 years. I mean, right now it's, you know, one of the nation's largest integrators uh, providing, you know, solutions across the gamut of installation, monitoring, inspection, guarding, maintenance services. I mean, we, we pretty much do uh, everything uh, within that security space, uh, and we've got a lot of experience uh, not only just in uh, the expertise of providing those solutions now, uh, but also we're looking to the future. Uh, and I think that that's part of the reason why uh, you're asking us to be on is, is that security industry, as you probably know, and your listeners probably know, is changing rapidly. And that's one thing that uh, we pride ourselves at ADT is to be on the forefront of that and to be able to uh, find those innovative solutions uh, for our customers. 
Yeah. And and I think all of our listeners are probably well aware of who ADT commercial is. So I appreciate um I appreciate that kind of high level overview. Did you have anything, Chris, you wanted to add to that? I would just add that ADT commercial also has realized that we have to find products and services that don't yet exist. And and I'm sure we'll talk some more about that later on, but really looking far ahead. Uh, which is new for our industry. Yeah, no, and I appreciate that perspective because as we all know, if you're not looking forward, if you're just trying to be you know, a bigger and better me too uh, in the security industry or any industry, really, you'll soon find that you've fallen behind, right? Because somebody is out there looking forward and, and trying to anticipate um, what the future needs are going to be. And if it's not your organization, they'll get there first. So I appreciate that you guys recognize that and spend considerable time and effort in, uh, in trying to address future future needs and problems that we may have in the future. So um, I would be interested to find out more, Brian, from you specifically, um, uh, your role, finding out more about your role um, or the role, I guess, is a better way to say it, of the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. That's one of your areas of expertise. Um, so what is their role when it comes to setting physical security standards and, and how does that fit into the picture? Yeah, Steve. So DHS, they've got a kind of a critical role for for the, the country. They're setting the, the, the security standards for all of the critical infrastructure in the United States. And, you know, when we're talking about critical infrastructure, we're talking about energy, transportation, water, communications. I mean, you, you think of those critical nodes uh, that deliver and provide, uh, you know, what we, what we need to survive uh, is really about that, that. That's what their focus is. And their, you know, their, their, their role is to look at, um, vulnerabilities to those sectors, coming up with risk management strategies, guidelines for security and resilience uh, for the future. And, you know, I mean, it, we could look at the headlines. I just read an article yesterday about how uh, potentially uh, China is implanting um, uh, malware into our critical infrastructure nodes in the event of, you know, some sort of uh, conflict, they could turn those on and we would be shut down. So, I mean, that's just one example of how critically important that is. And my role is really about working with and understanding DHS. I saw this in law enforcement. Uh, it is constantly changing as new um, mitigation strategies come out, as new vulnerabilities are identified, new security standards are established. It's really about understanding what is coming forward, what is currently there, and then working with our uh, technicians and experts um, across the, the country to be able to provide that sort of that guidance and say, hey, you know, here's the things that, that we need to focus on. Uh, we need to make sure we stay abreast uh, to make sure that our security uh, structure that we working with our clients in that critical infrastructure um, community uh, have and meet the standards per DHS, uh, but also what's coming in the future. What are the next things down the road? And that kind of fits hand in glove with what we're going to talk about, about, you know, kind of the future improvements that we see um, in the security industry and specifically from ADT. 
Yeah. Interesting. And, and it's been my perception and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, because that's certainly a possibility, but my perception of the industry has been that um, industry generally or business generally typically looks to those standards and policies that DHS corrects for uh, that provides to or, or uh, creates for um, critical infrastructure, they kind of look to those policies and standards of things that they want to emulate or follow. I mean, obviously DHS doesn't have a direct role in telling my business what we have to do, but if I want to know kind of best practices, that's where I'm going to look. Is that, is that your perception as well? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that's, uh, you know, for good reason, it's, it's sort of the industry standard, um, um, you know, specifically when we're talking about like the energy sector or communications about establishing the current uh, security standards going forward, but they're always changing as new risk as new vulnerabilities are identified. They're constantly changing. And that's, that's something that uh, is a challenge for industries to stay abreast of those and making sure that you're meeting those standards uh, and, and aware of future standards coming down the pipe. Very good. Uh, so it'd be interesting, I think, to, to hear from your perspective, some of the common missteps that you've observed employers making when it comes to, uh, creating policies for workplace safety? Well, I could, you know, I mean, just from my perspective, uh, you know, after 30 years in law enforcement, I, I, I observed, uh, you know, on multiple occasions, sort of the, the pointy end of the stick about what, what happened when things went wrong. Uh, and, and I think where employers are still kind of focused on, uh, from my perspective, is um, really about messaging, Right. So they, 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 they want to be able to let their employees know that an event is happening uh, and to take individual steps. Right. And I think that that's good. Uh, but there's so much more that that needs to need from an employer perspective that they need to do. I mean, let's just look the past decade and even this past year, uh, this past year, I think we're up to, and I, I, you know, I'll have to go back and look at the statistics, but I think we're up over 320 or 330 mass shootings uh, at schools, at buildings that, you know, you, you, you pick a location uh, and that is, it, it's like doubled uh, in the past year. And then over the past 10 years, it's up 150, 200, 300%. So the challenge is, is that these things are happening at a much more frequent occurrence than they have in the past. And that is not, you know, not to delve into any kind of political um, spear there, but to say that, hey, the reality is that it's happening and it's happening much more uh, than it has in the past. And as an employer, they have to be prepared for that, uh, that unfortunate incident. Uh, and we can't bury our head in the sand. And really what I think employers aren't doing uh, and they really need to do is start looking at that more layered approach to physical security. Uh, and that's really starting from the outside uh, before you even get into the building, talking about uh, uh, what's, what's happening inside, being aware and cognizant of what's happening inside the building, and then the response. Uh, what happens when an event happens and having that all kind of... Uh, 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 layered in a comprehensive plan is critically important. I think that that is one of the major challenges right now that employers are facing is, is that they're not looking um, to do more so to protect their, their employees. 
unfortunately, I think uh, because of the prevalence of uh, the mass shootings, I think there's also a duty of care there that um, employers aren't recognizing or aren't necessarily kind of uh, cognizant about that uh, in the future they need to be prepared for. Mm. Well, that's interesting. And I, I can imagine that it, is, it would be difficult for a business owner to, uh, you know, journalists, people like myself, unfortunately, we sometimes sensationalize these things. So everyone is aware of mass shootings and we hear about it and everyone's got an opinion and it's talked about rarely are there solutions or preventative measures that really make sense that are discussed with right within you know with rational minds um and so that it seems to me like that's probably where the best benefit would come is is if organizations business or other organizations had the ability to tap into some communication that helps them with a with a rational mind talk about what the real threat is and what real mitigation strategies could be so that we're not just kind of running around with our hair on fire, knowing that there's a problem, but not knowing what to do about it specifically. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I also add to that and say, what are the proven solutions and not necessarily sort of those um, new gimmicky solutions that are coming out that, you know, sound good in the moment, but, you know, right. six months from now, they'll be out of fashion and some other new, but what are the proven solutions that are, perhaps maybe a little bit more expensive, but we know that they provide that protection uh, and per, perhaps uh, uh, early warning uh, that employers need to know. Yeah, exactly. And as you mentioned, politics gets mixed in there in that mix, and that makes things even more complicated, regardless of what your politics are. Political agendas sometimes push public opinion one way or the other, um, and it's not necessarily based on truth uh, or you know right. what what actually works or doesn't work so so let's look at the future we've talked about the future a little bit so chris you're you're the future guy right so you're a, a director of emerging technologies at adt commercial so what kinds of innovative technologies is adt currently exploring that's going to help us out in the future yeah we're really looking at a lot of different types of technologies um but the way that you've structured the question really kind of sets the tone. It's what is the problem in this respect? It's workplace violence, active shooters, uh, however you define that. So we know that's the problem. And now we look at what are solutions? Well, I think as, as Brian mentioned, the number of mass shootings that occur nationally year over year is increasing, which means that what we've been doing doesn't work. Um, in the short term and the long term. So where can we get to that actually does provide some value add? Um, Ed Baco, our VP, likes to talk about there's three buckets. What has happened, what is happening, and what's going to happen. And our industry has spent a lot of time in the what has happened bucket. Hmm. That's the cameras, the card readers, the oh, somebody tailgated and got in. Well, that's already happened. And now we're discovering it after the fact. Um, we're slowly moving as an industry into what is happening. Um, Bolt-on analytics with very rudimentary artificial intelligence capabilities. Um, real-time video that does an alert. But that's sort of now it's happening. What we really want to get to is predictive. What is going to happen and how do we prevent that? And uh, the, the major way to do that is to 
bring all the data collectors, the cameras, the card readers, uh, technologies that we'll talk about that ADT Commercial is really working with manufacturers, robotics, those types of things, and look at how artificial intelligence, the large language models that we see coming online, how all of that can assist a company, a school, uh, an industry in being predictive in what may happen, where is it most likely to happen so they can put their limited resources against hardening that uh, environmental location or training this particular group. So ADT Commercial is really looking at, um, at robotics, um, drones, those types of sensor platforms that can provide data that works with strong AI analytics to become more predictive. I love that. I love that perspective. I just kind of anecdotally, I've spent a number of years in my career as a security consultant and advising companies. And over and over again, companies would come to me with great security concerns. And the first thing they would want to talk about is cameras. Well, we need more cameras. And it was usually kind of eye-opening for them when I would help them to understand that, you know, cameras don't really protect anybody. They're great for, you know, for forensics. So you can go back and see what bad things happen, but the bad things have already happened. You need to understand that. And that has always been true with cameras up until now what you're talking about, Chris, where we can just use the camera as another data input device and now do something with that data to predict predict what may happen, you know, what's going on right now and how can we react to it or what may even happen in the future. So I love that we could take all of these cameras that we've sold millions of them over the last few years and maybe turn them into some something that could actually help us protect rather than just see what happened a absolutely steve and i would also add that we're missing a whole portion of data and that's with the guarding industry um human guards will take an action or they will observe and report that's about 90 percent of their work Mm -hmm. But how do you feed that data into an AI engine to be predictive? And right. you can't. Um, so our, our, like our robotics program that will um, provide an autonomous guarding robot into a given space provides that 90% observe and report function as well as now collecting data um, that's appropriate. We talk about privacy, you know, those types of things that's appropriate for that, but that can feed into AI analytics and then provide some of that predictive capability to a company. Wow. Fascinating. And I guess another layer of complexity uh, that maybe both of you could address here is as we're trying to look into the future and what kinds of things can we start to do now to help us, uh, that will help us in the future, the, we don't really know what the future is going to look like, right? So when we think about like the next generation of the workforce, what's that going to look like and how are we going to protect that? I know that during COVID, of course, everybody worked from home or many, many of us did. Now we're starting to come back, but in, in varying degrees and in very in, from industry to industry. So it'd be interesting to, to hear your your thoughts on, on what that next generation workforce is going to look like and what, if anything, can we do to, to protect them? Well, I think, yeah, uh, go ahead, Chris. Oh, I was just going to say, you're having us dust off our crystal ball early. Exactly. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so go ahead, Brian. 
Yeah, I I think you, you kind of uh, hit that nail on the head, uh, Steve, when you were talking about what is that next generation of the workforce look like? And I think COVID definitely gave us the early indication of um, how businesses can operate uh, successfully, uh, you know, if you would have thought before COVID that um, um, you, you could have a large percent of your workforce work from home uh, and uh, that would be successful, uh, you, you know, at least from my perspective, and, and I think many others is that like, there's no way that's possible. You got to be in the office, you got to do that. So that hybrid workforce, I think, is definitely the wave of the future. Maybe not, you know, to the extent of everybody being out, there's going to be a percentage that you need to be back into the office and we'll, you know, companies will, will settle on that sweet spot about, you know, how many days in the office, how many not, what's the requirement. Uh, but the challenge will be uh, from a company perspective, you know, managing who's there, who's not, when are they there, what times of the day, uh, you know, and how you provide that, you know, that security uh, mindset for them in the office and also managing, you know, all the other kind of security apparatus for that, right? You know, you don't want to have too much when, you know, half the workforce is out. Uh, and so trying to find that sweet spot, I think that that is the way of the future. Um, you know, certainly um, we'll, we'll talk later about, you know, some of the, 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 the ways you can mitigate that. Uh, but I think that that is, you know, from my perspective, that's, that's the future workforce that we are going to deal with uh, for the foreseeable future. Hmm. Interesting. Anything you want to add to that, Chris? Uh, I, I just think it's as people come back to the workplace, their safety protocols may be dusty. And so the workforce may look the same and the makeup of the individuals coming into a workspace may be the same, but has the environment that they've been away from changed and how mm -hmm. long will it take them to get used to that? So, you know, we've trained so long on see something, say something, but if they don't know what is normal and what is out of place or who to say it to or any of that, they're, they're out of, um, <laughs> out of the habit of paying attention to their own safety. So that'll be interesting to see how and how long it takes to get over that. Yeah, interesting. So we have two things kind of happening at once as, as we come back to what we used to call normal, our you know employee loads, the number of employees that are in any given facility um, fluctuate a lot. And that makes it, there are some challenges that from a security perspective, there are some challenges that come along with not knowing who all is going to be there or when they're going to be there. What, what hours will they be working because things are um, in flux. So you have to be much more, more flexible. And as you said, Chris, they, uh, they may not have kept up their security mindset as they've been working uh, from home uh, in a much, what feels like a much more safe environment um, with some of the threats non-existent because they're dispersed across, you know, uh, suburbs across the country. Um, so they may not be thinking about those things. So maybe some retraining or some uh, education along with those things. Um, so uh, it'd be interesting if, if maybe, um, and I understand that you had to be sensitive to your, to your customers and, and your clients, but if there are any case studies that you could share with us, uh, examples on how some of the solutions that we've talked about 
um, have successfully been deployed in workplaces and, and the impact they've had? Chris, you got that or you want me to take it? Go ahead, Brian. Well, I can, uh, you know, from my perspective, uh, um, we have, um, we, you know, when we talked about the uh, the prevalence of mass shootings and school shootings, you know, one, one of the additional roles that I have for ADT is also to uh, work with uh, our schools. Um, you know, I mean, in some respects, I think that that is absolutely a critical infrastructure as well. Uh, and we had, we created a, um, a risk assessment uh, for schools to self-assess themselves on whether or not they were prepared um, for a an active shooter scenario. Not, you know, not not everything underneath the sun, uh, but how to protect themselves from an active shooter scenario. And so the risk assessment is fairly quick, uh, but what we found is that as our our folks go out to the schools uh, or the schools engage us uh, that there, there, there are quite a few areas that are lacking. And, and, and so we're able to help them provide those solutions uh, to provide um, protection during an active shooter. And when I say protection, it's really about buying time, right? Protecting the students, protecting the staff, protecting the people on the building, that time um, from and protecting from an active shooter to allow the first responder to arrive. And generally uh, in most jurisdictions, you know, uh, it's about six minute response with a few minutes to be able to kind of understand what's happening and then our responders go out. So if you can, if you can buy 10 minutes of time uh, you can certainly save lives, uh, and um, I think that that's one area where I think we're, we're we're getting a lot of traction and good success is in the schools uh, and this risk assessment. Uh, there's multiple other areas, but that's in recently in the news, you know, with the Uvalde and other school shootings, uh, and, and the understanding and recognition that these are happening more and more often. We, uh, from a company perspective, that it was a moral imperative that we come up with uh, some sort of strategy for schools, an initial self-strategy to be able to protect them and their students. Uh, and that is something that uh, within the past six months has is, is gained a lot of traction. Yeah, interesting. And I know that, well, you, and you mentioned, you know, protection in depth or, you know, concentric circles of protection that we all talk about in the security industry, uh, which of course, you, you know, the a big part of that is hardening, hardening your perimeter. Mm -hmm. And that's enormously expensive to do. I don't know that people really think about, um, if you're not in the security industry, it's really hard. It's really easy to say, well, why don't you just harden your perimeter and make it harder for the bad guy to get in? Well, now you're talking about ballistic glass and, and, you know, physical elements that have to be made of, of harder materials in addition to you know access controls that you know don't let everyone go where they feel like they want to go when they want to go there so those are some of the challenges um in addition to and i hopefully will hopefully we'll, we'll be able to touch back on some of these futuristic ai and iot things that chris has some expertise that can, he can share with us but are there any other things in addition to those or maybe that is the answer that they should be doing now? What improvements should, and we'll use schools because that's kind of the case study that we're, we're talking about. Are there any other things that they're not doing now that they should be doing? Well, uh, from uh, my yeah. oh, go ahead, Chris. 
Well, I was just going to say a couple of companies I've worked with that have at least taken positive steps. One would be um, a major company in the Seattle area uh, really took on the mindset and that's um, schools in particular need to shift their mindset and, and understand that these type of tragic events could and probably at some point will happen in their facility by the nature of school boards, um, school administration, hierarchies, and, and how much control each individual principal has. Um, there's no one right way, but mindset and acceptance, and then from that, you layer upon all the specifics that we talked about. So schools could really go a long way in understanding that, hey, this may happen. Um, and then the second side to that is working with other companies more recently, uh, they've done some environmental stuff around their areas that have really uh, helped. So they've, they've taken on the mindset as well and now actually taken some concrete steps. Interesting. So um, like SEPTED principles, like you're directing people uh, into certain areas, is that the kind of thing you're referring to? Physical barriers that keep people where they need to go? Yeah, yeah. Accepting uh, a principle accepts that, hey, this is going to happen. So where do we think it will happen? And what, what steps do we take to mitigate it, slow it down? Brian mentioned, you yeah. know, giving yourself time and space. Yeah. Um, and, and that's nothing more than just walking around and, and admitting that, yeah, it could happen. So let's review what the risk is. Yeah. Which just on a personal note is heartbreaking to me. You know, 20 years ago when I was spending most of my time in security consulting, that was one of the things that I would tell people is look, look at the real odds and understand what your real threats are. The, the odds are this is never going to happen to you. You're not going to have an active shooter. It's not going to happen. So don't spend your resources because the threat is too low. It's dramatic and it's, you know, it's high profile, but the actual threat is low. And I'm not sure if I was still practicing as a consultant today that I would, that I would have that same message. I don't know that I could because it's, you know, it's changed, it's grown exponentially um, over the last couple of decades. Well, let's, let's look back at some of these uh, AI and IOT. You mentioned that earlier, Chris, and I, I think that's fascinating. Um, can you, can you expound on that a little bit on, on how some of these newer technologies, emerging technologies are probably going to revolutionize security applications in the workplace? Uh, yeah, you know, as I've, I've done this role, I've learned that there's, there's a couple of different avenues that work independently, and then you have to be thinking strategically on how then you marry them up. So for instance, we have a couple of really emerging technology hardware platforms. So the first one I'll talk about is uh, our humanoid robot. So it's mm -hmm. the first probably scalable humanoid robot for guarding services. Working with a company out in Norway, 1X Robotics. Um, we're testing the robot now out in the world with a, a couple of uh, unnamed companies that have been part of our R&D process for quite a while. So we actually have these on the ground uh, out in locations. Um, training as human guards and the training is interesting robotic training a robot is different than training human but it still requires a certain amount of time um, but what we realize is that that hardware has opportunity to see its environment and that video that scene 
now provides data that we can develop and bolt on AI and machine learning based analytics, um, which now become really the key functionality is um, we don't want to get rid of the legacy cameras, card readers. We want to enhance that with autonomous robots uh, and some other technologies to be able to bring that all around and you again use that um, AI capability in a predictive way. Let's say the other uh, kind of main initiative we're working on are drones. Uh, we were doing some work on interior drones, um, but as with all technologies, the pacing of the development sometimes is um, slower, faster, depending on where we want to go strategically. But we're also looking at uh, how to scale potentially uh, an exterior drone solution for on-call customers um, that could provide uh, real-time security data response. Uh, again, that becomes all part of an AI uh, data package. Interesting. I mean, drones. If the if if it if drones do nothing else, they certainly would be they would excel at rapid deployment and and security force multiplication. Right now, you've got you can have eyes anywhere you need to have them within range of, of the drone as you know as quickly as they can get there, which is which is really fast. So um, yeah, that's that's a fascinating use of of drones um mm -hmm. it, it seems like we we talked about when drones first came on the scene everyone was kind of excited about how they're going to deliver our amazon packages which is cool it'd be great if a drone will come drop a package on my front door it's not happened yet but it would be cool if it could do that but more cool than that would be uh if you know the perimeter of my critical infrastructure facility could be protected you know within in just a few moments i could have eyes and ears on the ground um uh, around that perimeter to see what's going on very cool oh sure yeah all right so now now i'm really going to ask you to dust off your crystal ball and let's let's look in down let's look into the future um given what we've talked about with this kind of workforce that's in flux um what do you see adt commercials role in the future do you, is there anything that you can share with us and i know there's probably things that you guys talk about that you can't really share with with a wider audience, but are there any things that you can share with us that people should anticipate from ADT in the future? Well, I think uh, uh, one thing that uh, ADT Commercial is doing uh, very well right now is about looking to the future. Chris kind of highlighted many of the different things that we are we're, we're, we're looking at with the understanding that security industry is changing. And I think part of that is about recognizing that uh, the, the, the future is about building those efficiencies and values for our customers. Um, you know, instead of the legacy systems, you know, as Chris mentioned earlier about, you know, uh, looking at what had already happened, but about what's looking going to happen in the future. And later upon that is efficiencies for the business. So if we can do both, if we can save them money, on some of the legacy systems that are out there, enhance the capabilities through analytics and other tools to provide them even a better uh, understanding of their environment and what's potentially going to happen, but then also add some business intelligence on top of that, right? So it's not just about security, uh, but there's also a whole bunch of other uh, informational uh, data that companies want to know uh, that's happening out there, you know, so if you're a retail business, 
uh, not only do you want to provide that security, but you also want to know, you know, how many people are in your store, how, where are they, where are they, where are they standing? Where are they not standing? You know, how long are they in the store? You know, all those kind of things like that, that, that can be provided and layered on, on top of the security uh, services that we provide. So it's, it's, it's not just about, um, you know, uh, enhancing our security, but it's also adding more efficiencies in other areas down the road. And I think that that's the future. Yeah. And that, that's a cool idea. I like that because it's no more effort for a security camera to actually, you know, report information back about end cap dwell time, right? Which is going to help the retailers understand, you know, mm -hmm. how their how their floor layout is is working. It, it you know, it's not going to hurt the security camera to report that data. It's got the data there, so it's just a matter of somebody coming up with the the ability to capture that and then put it in a usable form. Uh, and that's just one small example. If you've got these data points, which we call cameras, that are collecting all of this data it just seems to me like the possibilities of what we could do with that data are just endless really it's just as chris uh, kind yep. of alluded to so and if you uh we're currently working with our evil guard branding of um technology solutions i talked about the robot i talked about the drone uh, we're looking at it, some other uh, technologies related to exterior robots um we're in-house development of uh, analytics. Uh, and so and all of that matters because as companies become more sophisticated with understanding AI, AI training, the data, the analytics that provided, everybody's going to provide an analytic, but not all analytics are the same. And so ABT Commercial is really committed to making sure that what we provide uh, has the best uh, opportunity capabilities and, and really can provide the, the customer what it is that they're looking for. And like Brian said, not just on security, but how else can we use that? And that's the other thing ADT Commercial is really doing is getting a lot more customer feedback, which we haven't done as much of in the past. Yeah, awesome. Let's conclude with uh, the essence of this question is what should I have asked that I failed to ask? Uh, but the question is, is there anything else that either of you believe um, our audience should know about either physical safety in the workplace or ADT commercial? Well, I would I would end, I think, you know, because the 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 basis of this this interview is really about, you know, the physical workplace safety, physical security and Employers currently that aren't looking to what's happening now in the future and adapting and understanding that, you know, many of the things that we talked about earlier uh, are, are putting their, their customers' lives and their, their, their employee lives at risk in the wellness um, uh, because they're not they're not adapting to what's happening for the future and potential liability there. So uh, I think the onus really is on employers to start taking that hard look at, at physical security about prevention, mitigation, uh, and, and taking some concrete steps to be able to, to uh, get after that problem set. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, before we close, Chris, did you have any uh, parting words for us? No, I just appreciate the opportunity, Steve, to come on and be able to talk about the great things that ADT Commercial is uh, is doing in the security space and how we're looking uh, towards the future to provide a lot of great security services. 
All right. Well, I, I really want to thank both of you for spending some time with us today. Uh, I personally appreciate it and enjoyed it. I think our audience will as well. So thank you. And a big thanks to our listeners for being with us. And please remember to like and subscribe if you find this podcast interesting. And join us next time for another episode of the Brilliance Security Magazine podcast. Thank you.